Good afternoon and welcome again. Thank you for coming back this afternoon. I know that it has been expressed to me earlier uh, by one individual that uh, dealing with being tired. And so I don't want to put you to sleep today, but if you can hang with me for just a few minutes, we'll try to get you out of here. I do want to encourage you to express to your mother how much you appreciate her, and I would encourage you, let her know every day how much you love her. It's a blessing to have a good mother, and for the love and life's lessons that they teach us, uh, we can't say thank you enough. So thank you to all of you who are mothers today, and for what you mean to us, and not just us, but to the world. And we thank you for that. We're looking today at John chapters 14, 15, and 16, three specific verses. As we think about our theme this afternoon, peace and joy in the Lord. I want to begin today by asking this question. How many people in our world do you think enjoy genuine peace and joy? I would imagine that there are just a few in the world in which we live that can honestly say they have genuine peace and joy. There are a lot of folks in the world today, that's what they want. They want peace and joy. And there are some, no doubt, that are trying to acquire peace and joy in their life. The question is, do they have peace and joy? And maybe more specifically, do you have peace and joy in the Lord? So let's talk about peace and joy for a moment or two. The first thing that I want to do is call your attention to the originator of peace and joy. I want you to look at some passages with me in John 14, beginning in verse 27. Listen to what Jesus said. To the apostles. Now, in chapters 13 through 17, the Lord is involved in an extended discussion with the apostles. He's about to leave them. He promises them that they would be the recipients of the Holy Spirit that would teach them all things and bring all things to their remembrance. Over in chapter 16, He would tell them that the Spirit of truth would guide them into all truth. And so in chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then look at chapter 15 in verse 11. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And then look at chapter 16 and verse 33. The Lord again said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So number one, Who or what is the source of peace and joy? I want to begin by saying first and foremost that Jesus Christ is the person of peace. 
If you go back to the Old Testament, you read about those prophets who foretold of the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah, in a very vivid way, talks about the coming Redeemer. And there are a number of passages in his prophetic book that point to the coming of the suffering servant. And you remember in Isaiah chapter 9 at verse 6, Isaiah said concerning the coming of the Christ, the anointed one, that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then he said the Prince of Peace. Jesus came as a person of peace. And as a matter of fact, he came to bring peace to a lost and dying world. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul would say about Christ in verse 14, he said, for he is our peace. So to understand that Jesus Christ is a person, the person of peace and joy. Again, in verse 11, chapter 15, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. So he was leaving them with peace and joy. But then there's a second thought. Not only is he the person of peace, but the Bible tells us Jesus is the one who provides peace. Look again at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace, he said, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let's just pause there for a moment or two. Jesus is saying to the apostles, I am leaving peace with you. And he contrasts the peace that he has the ability to provide to that which those in the world are trying to acquire. Again, there are a lot of people in our world today, in their heart of hearts, they want genuine peace and joy. The problem is sometimes we look in the wrong places for peace and joy, don't we? There are people that think they can find satisfaction, contentment, peace, and joy in the world. That's superficial. And that's subject to to change. The kind of peace and joy that the Lord promises and that the Lord can provide is not subject to alteration or change. So we think about the originator of peace, but then there's a second thought. There are obstacles to peace in our pathway, aren't there? Jesus in this context has already talked about to the apostles that he's going to be leaving them. And based upon the fact that Jesus is going to leave them, and he's been talking over and over again throughout his ministry, of how he would go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders, chief priests, and scribes, that he would be put to death and rise from the dead the third day. In chapter 13, Peter voices his support and willingness to suffer with Christ if that need were to arise. So you remember in verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then he promises eternal abiding places for those who are his followers or disciples. So it's in that context that Jesus is talking to disciples. 
that are distressed, disturbed, if you please. Now look again at chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. And then he said, in the world you have tribulation. Are there people in our world today that are facing disturbances and distressing situations without question? The lives of the apostles. Go back and read about the time they spent with Jesus. And they were learning and growing and maturing in their faith. And Jesus is telling them, look, in the world, the world into which you have been thrust, there are all kinds of tribulations, disturbances, distressing situations. And I would add to that difficulties. At best, life can be difficult, can it? Job in the long ago said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. What was it Jesus said, verse 27? Let not your heart be troubled. In other words, agitated, in turmoil. Are there people in America today whose lives are filled with agitation and turmoil? They're facing distress and difficulties in life. When James wrote his book, and James is a very practical book. As a matter of fact, the book of James is to the New Testament what Proverbs is to the Old Testament. It is a very practical guide to daily Christian living. And James said, Can it all joy when you fall into various trials, suggesting that we're going to face trials and difficulties in life. Yesterday I read about a young lady, 39 years of age, had small children, had been an outstanding athlete in high school and college, had also been in the professional world, an athlete, but she fought against bone cancer for several years. And she just, within the last few days, stepped out into eternity, leaving behind small children and a husband. I'm telling you, that's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? That's tough. And there are people all over this world that are facing similar circumstances. Some have already faced those kinds of difficulties, And some, those difficulties are looming in the future. So we got to be prepared for what might come. And I've said this before and I want to say it again because I think it's very, very important. If you don't have a strong faith, you need to be developing your faith. Because it might be the case that you're going to face a difficulty a disturbance in your life and it will rock your world and you're going to need a strong faith to survive. The trials that we face now can be used as stepping stones to spiritual maturity. So you think about the words of Peter when he said, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. 
Sometimes things happen to young people and they're not equipped to handle those difficulties. And sometimes as we grow older, and yes, even in our mature years, things happen and maybe we're not quite ready for them. But with God on our side and with a strong faith, we can remain resilient and overcome, can't we? So again, James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Peter said we ought to desire the sincere milk of the word that we might grow. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter would say, grow in grace and knowledge. Why? Because that's going to help you get through tough times. Go back and read about David sometime. One of the things about David, he had this resolve. And over and over again, he talked about the tremendous trust he had in Almighty God. We need that kind of trust when we face difficulties. So there's distress. There are difficulties in life. And then there is discouragement. In Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 3, the writer talks about those who have become discouraged and weary in their souls. Have you ever been discouraged? I mean really, really discouraged. Maybe you've been discouraged because where you work, there's just a mountain of problems and troubles. Maybe you're discouraged because things in life haven't gone as planned. Maybe with your marriage, possibly in terms of the child rearing process. There are disappointments and there are discouragements. And there are things sometimes that are beyond the scope of our control, aren't they? I can't control everything. I can try to maintain a measure of control, but there are some things that are just beyond my control. We make choices, but other people make choices. Sometimes those choices impact our life. So it's very easy to become discouraged. The Hebrew writer was writing to people in the first century some of whom had already gone back to the Mosaic Law. Some were on the verge of returning to that old law. The writer shows the superiority of Christ's law to the Mosaic Dispensation. And the idea is, why would you want to go back to an inferior law? But here were people that had become discouraged and weary. I can't help but think about people that Work 12, 13, 14 hours a day. They do it five, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. And they become weary and tired. Life can leave us weary and tired, can't it? There's a fourth obstacle to peace and joy. That fourth obstacle is a life of disobedience. Look at the prodigal son in Luke 15. You remember when he asked his father for his inheritance? And really the audacity of asking for his inheritance before his father died. His father granted his wish. And the Bible says that when he had gathered everything together, he took a journey into a far country. And then the Bible says he wasted his substance with riotous living. We might say it like this. He blew everything. The next thing you know, he's out living and feeding with the swine. 
Can you imagine that? For a Jew, that would have been a despicable situation. When that fellow left for the bright lights of the city, his mind was on fun, entertainment, living it up. But once he got out into that far country and spent everything he had, here's the question. How much peace and joy do you think he had? Not much. Matter of fact, the Bible says when he came to himself, that light clicked on. And he asked the question, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare and I'm perishing with hunger? Here's a guy, he's ready to go, go back home and become a slave, a servant. Because life had not turned out as he had planned. Many years ago, Isaiah the prophet again, appealing to the writings of Isaiah. Isaiah said, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Solomon said it like this, the way of the transgressor is hard. Sometimes people suffer physically because of poor choices in life. Sometimes people suffer mentally because they've made bad choices in life. You ever seen somebody who has absolutely hit rock bottom? I'm talking about they've knocked the bottom out of life. You ever known anybody like that? I have. And it's a terrible sight. When you see somebody who had so much potential, so much promise, someone who had everything to live for, and then life began to careen out of control, and before you know it, rock bottom. Sometimes that's because of sin. We make bad choices in life. And that's what Isaiah say. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Well, they might have this superficial peace and joy that comes with the highs and lows of life. But they don't have that deep-seated peace and joy that Jesus is talking about. So thirdly, what about the opportunity for peace and joy? Number one. Let's talk about the place of peace and joy. Read it with me again. Listen to what Jesus said, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Look at verse 11, chapter 15. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And then chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. In the world you have tribulation, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So number one, the place of peace and joy is Jesus Christ. He is the place where you can find true peace and joy in this life. Now, I want to share a passage with you in Romans chapter 5. Paul said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith 
into this grace wherein we stand. Now listen to him. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Did you see that? Where is peace? It's in Christ, isn't it? And didn't the Apostle Paul say to the saints in Ephesus, talking about the Christ, He is our peace. He's made both one, broken down the middle wall of partition. In other words, Jesus Christ went to the cross, reconciled fallen man. He did so in the one body, Ephesians 2 verse 16. And the Bible says in that context, He came and preached peace to you. The message that we preach and teach, the lifestyle of a Christian is a lifestyle, it is a message of peace and joy. Now I want to just talk for a moment or two about the provisions of peace. Paul said, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a fact, isn't it? When we obey the gospel of Christ, we're no longer at enmity with the Lord. That fellowship is no longer broken, but rather we've been reconciled. We've been brought together into fellowship with the Lord. But we live in a world of tribulation and trouble, don't we? Didn't Jesus say, in the world you will have tribulation? Yes. How then does genuine peace and joy operate in the life of a Christian? Here it is. Look at Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in the city of Philippi. They have been beaten. Their feet are fastened in stocks. And the Bible tells us they've been placed in the inner prison. At midnight, you know what those guys were doing? The Bible says at midnight they were praying and singing praise to God. How could they do that? I mean, the world around them seemed to be falling apart. Here they are suffering for the cause of Christ. They have been beaten, imprisoned. Are they thirsty? Are they hungry? Are their wounds stinging? Are they hot? Are they cold? Are they weary? And yet at midnight, what are they doing? They're praying. And singing praise to God. So you turn over to the book of Philippians. One of the great themes of that book is joy or rejoicing. But not just any joy and not just any rejoicing. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and guess where he's writing from? A Roman prison. And so in a Roman prison... Paul is writing to the saints in Philippi. And in verse 4, he would say, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. How could Paul say that? How could he encourage those brethren to find joy in the Lord? Because he knew something about it. Paul had genuine peace and joy Where? It was in the Lord. And so, you remember he would go on to say, In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then he went on to say, And the peace of God, 
which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul knew something about what Isaiah talked about centuries earlier. Perfect peace. Perfect peace is available to those whose mind is stayed on the Lord. So I ask you today, do you have peace and joy? In this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, tough times are going to come. The lady I mentioned a moment ago that stepped out into eternity, 39 years of age. See it every day. And that can literally rock your world. But if we have the peace that passes all understanding, And if our lives are rooted in the Lord and we have that joy that the Lord talks about, then our lives are not in turbulence when things go awry. Because our peace and joy is not subject to externals, but rather it's internal. It's in here. All is well. Look, when, we're, when we are what we ought to be in Christ, all is well. Don't we sing that song sometimes, It is well with my soul? Can't we sing that with confidence? Well, why is it well? Because we belong to the Lord. And when He comes, He's going to take us home to be with Him forevermore. So this afternoon, I want to ask you, Do you have the kind of peace and joy that we read about in Scripture? If not, could I encourage you to take a step of faith today to determine right now your life's not going to be your life's not going to be lived any longer in the world. But rather you're willing to come out of the world to enjoy the blessings of God. So what do you need to do? Well, you've got to believe Jesus is the Son of God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And then, based upon that faith, you respond with an obedient heart, like the people in Rome did. They obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. So we repent of our sins, we're baptized into Christ, and we enjoy forgiveness. The Lord puts us in the church, And it's in that body that we are the family of God. And we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. If you're here this afternoon, maybe your life's not what it ought to be. And maybe as a Christian, you don't have the peace and joy that you would like to have. Maybe somewhere along the way, your life somehow got out of control. Your life's no longer under the teaching of Jesus. And you want to try to get back into the kind of life that leads to peace and joy. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. And God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.